You're listening to a Sunday morning message from Glory Day Lutheran Church in Houston, Texas. Thanks for joining in. For more information about Glory Day and next steps you can take with us, check out gdlc.org or find us on Facebook and Instagram at GDLC Houston. Last week we were blessed to have President Mike Newman paint a picture for us as we looked at Mark, being in Mark chapter 9 of the Transfiguration account. That it was a glorious circle of disciples, Peter, James, and John, experienced with Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. So much so that these disciples wanted that moment to last. They said, hey, can we just hang up here? Can we build some tents and tabernacle together? But as we heard last week, that people are the most important priority to God that he had to leave the mountain of transfiguration and he set his face toward Jerusalem for his crucifixion and his death, his resurrection in our life. And the reminder that I also take from Mount of Transfiguration is that, that you, life, doesn't, life doesn't happen on mountaintops. Man, the view is fantastic, but the oxygen levels are low and you can't live there. Life happens in the valleys. And I believe that we have those mountaintop experiences the Lord gives to us so that we make it through the valleys that we face. I often type to think about this, that church, I believe, is an opportunity for you to have that mountaintop experience of worship with your Savior, receive him in word and the Lord's Supper so that you prepare for the valley and the rest of the week. Such is the case for these disciples Because leaving this place of glory and excitement would mean they would have to go back to Monday morning, back to the office, back to the grind, back to the schedule, back to making lunches, taking kids, and trying to figure out where everyone's going and doing a spreadsheet to figure it all out. Leaving the mountain, they would have to face all those horrific things that Jesus said were about to happen. And so they went. Down the mountain, back to the grind of daily living into the valley, but, but, forever, but forever changed, transformed. And I'm gonna invite you to take out your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter nine to give you some context of what we're gonna be seeing today. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Mark chapter nine, on page 844, using the Bibles in front of you. And as they come down from the mountain, there Jesus encounters a boy with an evil spirit that has kept them from speaking. We see in this context the disciples can't heal them. And Jesus reminds them that they don't have the power in themselves, but only through a relationship with the Father in heaven. And then you have this incredible conversation, the father, the boy, and Jesus, and he says, I want to believe, Lord, help me with my unbelief. What a, what a sermon right there. Lord, I struggle. I have doubts. I, I wonder if you're even there. I mean, think about how many times, and, and this guy says, Lord, help me with my unbelief. Wow, what a great prayer. And Jesus heals the boy, and then he reminds the disciples what his mission is all about. Look at Mark chapter 9, verse 30. 
They went on from there and passed through Galilee. They didn't stop. And he did not anyone to know, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, remember, here's his purpose, his mission. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. Remember what President Newman said last week? People are the most important thing, the highest priority to God. I shared with you all last Sunday night, one of our core values, people. They are a priority to God, they are a priority to us. And just when it seemed the disciples had a grasp of Jesus' plan of salvation, <clears throat> we finally found out they don't. Look at verse 32. But they did not understand the saying, and they were afraid to ask him. I mean, please don't be hard on the disciples. I don't think any of us would, do this, would understand this. Remember, the Holy Spirit hasn't come yet. And so they're a bunch of doubting bumbling kind of guys trying to figure out how to make it through life kind of sounds like me you sometimes and mark records that the disciples don't like this <clears throat> they don't understand it and they're afraid to ask why maybe because he might rebuke them because you know they've been to class three times and they've they've uh, multiple times been taught the same subject they've had a pop quiz a review and a test and they're still failing it but here's, the, here's what, I want you to think about this. Jesus never rebukes anybody for asking a question. He has rebuked the disciples for not having faith, much faith for, for rem, remaining an unbelieving individual in spite of all that they had seen and heard. But he never rebukes them for asking questions. Yet, yet even, even though this puzzle statement puzzled them and they didn't understand what it meant, they don't want to talk about it. You know, it's like one of those subjects that is a family secret. We all know the secret, but we deny it, and we act like it's not there. So we come together as a family, and everybody knows, and it's like the elephant in the room. And we somehow think if we don't bring it up, it will go away. It is just going to be so amazing, because we just want to have a good time. But Jesus is about ready to take that elephant out of that room and just open it up for him to see. You see, Jesus is continually confronting them with his mission and message. The Son of Man came to serve, not to be served, and give his life as a ransom for all of us. And then somehow a shift takes place. As they continue down the road, they shift from what Jesus just said to discussing who's the greatest among them. We're not told how this argument came about, but I'm, I'm telling you, knowing human dynamics, it probably came from the mountain of transfiguration. Because Pete, Jim, and John, them's the boys. That's the inner circle right there. They have been chosen to go up to the mountaintop with Jesus, and these other like nine like losers didn't. They, they got to see this marvelous sight. And so Jesus tells these guys, don't tell anybody. Or again, it was a messianic secret. And you know how fun that is when you have information that somebody else doesn't have? Because you know information is power. I could tell you 
but you're not the level of status that I am among Jesus, and so obviously you can't be trusted with this kind of information. So I'll just keep it to myself. And one day when you arrive, like I have, I'll let you know, maybe. Disciples are like, dude, what happened up there? Y'all look different. Inner circle, remember, inner circle, us, not you. And then this argument starts. Who's the greatest? Who's the greatest of all time disciple? Hence the term goat. You know, our young and they think they coined this term. This goes back to the 80s. I think you take it back to the 60s. The greatest of all time was Muhammad Ali. I mean, Muhammad Ali was always talking about that he was the greatest of all time. Fly like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Well, what's a goat? Okay, so you're hearing it today. It was popularized in ESPN, 30-minute special, and a goat is the greatest of all time. So you don't have to agree with me, but I'm, I'm just going to tell you, these are, these are what I'm about to tell you who the goats are. They're, I'm right, you're wrong. Okay, just remember that. You see, that's how it works with masks, doesn't it? Greatest of all time, Michael Jordan. Some want to say LeBron. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Greatest golfer of all time? It's got to be Tiger Woods. Some would say Jack Nicholas. We could argue about that one. Oh, y'all going to love this one. Greatest of all time? Tom Brady. Oh, now I'm causing problems because haters going to hate, right? Greatest pitcher? Cy Young. Oh, Nolan Ryan, come on. Greatest boxer? Well, the greatest or the one who said he was the greatest? I think you'd have to give that one to Floyd Mayweather. Greatest of all time bands? Come on, Journey. I mean, don't stop believing. Close second to that one. I mean, come on, any 80s rock band? Some of y'all are like shaking your head, no, it was the Beatles, no, it was Elvis, and some of y'all are saying right now, some of y'all are saying like, bands, I don't even know who they are right now, and I don't, I was never going to be that not cool dad. I was always going to know who were the top bands, and like, Ugh. just don't stop believing, I'm happy camper, that's all I got to know. And so as you look at this text, the disciples are saying, I just want to be the goat, Peter, James, and John are probably the loudest. Peter's a spokesman. James is on the mountain. And John goes, hey, I'm the one Jesus loves. Maybe the other disciples, they've already like taken their posture and said, uh, I'm definitely not the goat. But, you know, Thomas, he's pretty skeptical and he's asking a lot of questions because he wants to find out because he doubts any of those three guys are the goat. But what are they doing? Jesus has just announced that he's going to die, be crucified, and raise again. And what are they doing? They're arguing about who's the greatest of all time, and they're thinking only of themselves. So here's the elephant in the room. This is how you, this is how you stop dealing with the elephant in the room. Look what Jesus said, verse 33. 
And they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, this is awesome, what were you discussing on the way? <laughs> ruh row, ruh row, Raggy, we're in trouble now. <laughs> but they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And Jesus is about to define for them about what true greatness is all about. You see, true greatness for Jesus, the one who came to serve and not to be served, is what he's asking his followers to do as well. He's going to illustrate for them what it means to have a love and humility that puts other needs above my own. A love and humility that desires to serve all people. Not only the people that I like, not only the people who agree with me about mask wearing, not only the people that like my politics, not only the people who you fill in the blanks. It's a kind of love and humility that seeks to serve all people. You remember we said the life of the disciple here at Glory Day is one who seeks Christ first in all things, and one of the attributes is that we love and serve other people. Why? Because people are a priority to God, they're a priority to us as well. Look at verse 35. And he sat down and he called. Make 12. And he said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. Who's the greatest? He gave them a marvelously revealing statement. So don't, don't hear me saying there's nothing wrong with being successful or having ambition. But Jesus said if you're going to be first, you must be last of all and serve others. Take a little notes right here. Jesus didn't rebuke them for wanting to be the greatest. He didn't scold them for their ambition because he's built into every heart the desire to succeed. Some of us have a desire for winning more than others. That's me. I'm confessing. It gets into myself in trouble sometimes. Because sometimes I have to point out, you know, like a referee's statistical anomalies and things they don't, they've missed on the, you know, I'm just helping out. See how easy it is to rationalize stuff, y'all? He does rebuke them for being successful. What he did was to tell them the true way to greatness. It's not by seeking to be first. It is by a willingness to be last. It is not by getting people to serve you. It is become by becoming the servant of all. And he defines true greatness, and he has his children's message by using a child. And he brings that child before him, and he says, you want to be great? Welcome a kid. Remember, 
in that culture, children are only to be seen, never to be heard. They have no rights. They are often overlooked. They are put aside unless they can help benefit the family in some way. Verse 36. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them. And taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but the one who sent me. You see, Jesus is saying there's really two kinds of greatness. Greatness can be defined by the sport you play, by the applause you receive, by the accolades people share with you. That's the world definition. Jesus is defining greatness by being applauded by God. The world says, how much can I make? How many people know my name? How much fame and notoriety do I have? How many people serve me? How many people are under my authority? How wide is the extent of my influence? How many followers do I have? How many retweets of my incredibly brilliant thing I put out there is happening? Now, Jesus points out that true greatness is never found there. The measure of true greatness is how many do I serve? How many needs do I minister to? And how many people can I help? Whoever receives me receives not me, but the one who sent me. Again, not oppose the ambition of the disciples, but he's encouraging them in a different way. In your ambition to, be, to rule, take that ambition and have an ambition to serve. In an ambition to have people do things for you, substitute that ambition to do things for others. Because it's not defined by being fi your financial prosperity, your status, or the kind of car you drive. But Jesus says, taking on the attitude of himself. So turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, chapter 2, on page 981, 980. Look what Paul writes. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Well, then they're going to walk all over me. No, keep reading. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Verse 5, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in form of God, did not equate equality with God something to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You see, his service and humility means our life and our salvation. 
So what does greatness look like for Jesus in a practical way? Go back to verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So my question is, do you want to be the goat? I do. Because you and I have an incredible privilege of living out what that means on Wednesday. What do I mean by that? You know, a little announcement that Governor Abbott made. Maybe you've heard about it. You remember when I shared with you at the beginning of this whole pandemic, the biggest surprise for me was how divisive masks had become. And I don't think it's changed. In fact, I think it's gotten worse. I am even more surprised and saddened how deeply people are digging in and how incredibly angry they are becoming about the issue, regardless of what side you're on. Here's what I know. Two doctors can be in the same room with the same degree and both of them will disagree about the mask efficiency and efficacy. And as soon as Governor Abbott made his announcement about removing the mask mandate for the state of Texas, I saw a Facebook frame start popping up all over Facebook. A Facebook frame, it's a pre-made frame that um, you can insert your picture in and use it as a profile pic or post it on your account. The frame that I saw was I choose to wear a mask. So I thought it'd be good to share with you what that frame looks like. So I choose to wear a mask. I saw this popping up all over Facebook. I have no idea what the motivation was for people to post this on Facebook. Maybe it's because they're autoimmune. Maybe it's because they're a high-risk group. Maybe it's because they want to encourage others to keep on keeping on. Maybe for some it's a medical reason. For some, it could be a way to serve others. And as we heard, love your neighbor. Some saw this and their comment was, yeah, fear. They're afraid. Hmm. What if Facebook frame popped up like this? I choose not to wear a mask. What would be the motivation for this Facebook frame? You know that elephant in the room I'm talking about? It's right, we're talking about it right now. Okay, I just want to make sure I'm bringing it out. And I'm going to stomp on it. I believe depending upon your belief about the efficiency and the efficacy of the mask, you're going to have a different answer for the motivation of putting this one on there. And there's going to be other folks that say, oh, they're careless. They're afraid. Or maybe they're not afraid. Or maybe they're vaccinated. Or I don't know. Here's what I do know. And I... I would love, I would love for someone to disagree me, with me on this one. Don't raise your hand right now. 
send me an email. Come pull me outside. I mean, just come grab me. These are two statements that I'm going to say I believe we have 100% agreement in this room. Ready? Nobody wants to get sick from COVID. Nobody wants to make anybody else sick from COVID. I double triple dog dare you disagree with me on that one. So what if we talk about being the goat? The greatest of all time is by becoming the servant of all. And we put the best construction on the situation regardless of a mask or not. You see, this isn't about a mask. This is about how we are going to live as a disciple of Jesus. That this body of believers in person and online, they are going to be remarkably different because I'm not going to see you on Facebook bashing somebody else for an opinion that is different than your own. I'm telling you, um, I've got some challenging decisions to make in this next couple of days. How do we reopen Gloria Day in a post-COVID world? What do you mean post-COVID? It's not over yet. I thought it was hard entering into COVID and the requirements. I have learned it's going to be more difficult coming out of them. And if we're going to be disciples of Christ, if we are going to live out what it means to love Jesus and seek him first in all things, I'm going to ask you to put the best construction on the decision that I share with you guys this coming week. Please know that I'm talking to professionals, leaders, school districts, health professionals. I'm putting the brightest and best around me to figure out how best are we going to do a phased in approach of reopening Gloria Day. Because the number one priority still for me is the health and safety of our members, staff, and guests. My second priority now is how do we operate now as vaccinations continue going up, as death rates going down. Can I ask you to do this? Can we live this text out this week? Philippians chapter 2 and Mark chapter 9. When approaching a business that is a mask requirement business, don't yell at them. If you enter into a place that doesn't have masks, don't yell at them. 
Can we reserve our opinions and our comments and our judgments to ourselves? Because I want to leave you with this, 1 Peter 4, 8 to 10. If you don't have this one memorized or underlined or somehow put to memory, you really should. It's on page 1016. This is what it means to be the goat. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Since love covers a multitude of sins, show hospitality to one another without, without grumbling. And as each has received a gift, be a goat. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. You and I have the opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus this week, to be stewards of his grace, his love, his mercy. The one who was the servant, who humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross, has said to every one of us, follow me. And I'm going to use you to expend, expel my grace to those you come in contact with this week. That is my prayer for Gloria Day. For every one of us. That we might be stewards of God's amazing grace with what we do, what we say, and how we live. May God grant that to each of us for Jesus' sake. To God alone be the glory. Thanks for joining us. We hope God used this time to turn your heart more towards him. Be sure to check out Glory Day online at gdlc.org for next steps you can take. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at GDLC Houston as we help more people live life with Jesus every day.